Good evening to everyone. Thank you for that. Continuing in this series, I want to talk to you about something that we're all familiar with, but I want to teach you something about it that we didn't talk about before, and I'm sure you haven't heard from this perspective. How many of you can remember a band by the name of Chicago? Okay, some of us. They had a song called, Does Anybody Really Know What Time It Is? And here was the first stanza. As I was walking down the street one day, a man came up to me and asked me what the time was that was on my watch. Yeah, I said, does anybody really know what time it is? Does anybody really care? If so, I can't imagine why we've all got time enough to cry. Does anybody really know what time it is? In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 14, the Bible says, and I know this, that whatever God does is final. Nothing can be added, nothing can be taken from it. God's purpose in this is that mankind should fear, reverence, have respect for the all-powerful God. Again, well, go ahead. Thank you for that. Praise God. One more time. And I know this, that whatever God does is final. You can't change it. We'll read later on that you can't make the crooked path straight. You can add to what's missing because God is ultimately in control of everything. So the first question we ask is, what do I do with the time, the brief time that I've been given? Because actually, it is appointed unto men three score and 10 years, and after that, so about 70 years, people live. And that's a very short time when you compare it to eternity. In a lifetime, the average American will spend six months waiting at stoplights, one year looking for misplaced objects, two years unsuccessfully returning phone calls, four years doing housework, five years waiting in line, and if you served in the military, make that six years, and two and a half years asking your children, how many times do I have to tell you not to do that? <laughs> and Benjamin Franklin cautioned, do you love life? Then do not waste it or squander it, for it is the stuff that life is made of. Time allows us to realize that someone else is in control of what's occurring. Time allows us to realize, or we should, someone else is in control. We're not. Turn to someone and say, you're not in control. Turn back to them and say, you thought you were. Well, let me read you what prefaces Ecclesiastes 3.14. It's Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to uproot what is planted, a time to kill, and a time to heal, a time to tear down, and a time to build, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones, a time to gather stones, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search, and a time to give up the search, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear 
and a time to mend what was torn, a time to be silent, a time to speak, a time to love, a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. And this list that God has given us begins with a time to be born, a time to die, and it ends with a time for war and a time for peace. Well, who is actually in control of all these parameters of time? It's obviously not us. We can't control any of these things. Some of us have tried, but we can't. Well, when it comes to time, the word time, there's two words in the Greek that describe it. One is chronos, where we get our word chronological, and chronos means a point in time, like October 29th, 1951. That's a point in time when I was born. But none of us knew when we would be born, and none of us know when we're going to die. Someone else is in control of that time. So chronos is the first word. The second word is kairos, and it means time as referred to duration or seasons. So chronos refers to a minute, an hour, a day, a week, a month, a year, a decade. But kairos refers to a season. You may be in a season that was just described in that list that I referred to. You may be in a season of loneliness. You may be in a season of heartache. You may be in a season of sickness. You may be in a season of great wealth. But who's controlling that season and what is our responsibility during those segments of time? God is the king of time. He regulates our minutes and he regulates our seconds. He rules all our moments. He rules all our days. Nothing happens in this life without his superintendence. Everything happens when it happens because God is sovereign over time as well as eternity. How much time do you and I have on this earth to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, to serve him and to make up our mind, to finally fully become a child of God and to worship Jesus? The fear of life is often seen in resisting change and living in denial of the seasons, the duration of life, and the changes that they can bring. When you were young, you had no cares. You just wanted to play. And then you had to go to school. And now they gave you assignments. You had homework. And then you wondered if you were going to further your education once you graduated and go on to your bachelor's, your master's, or a PhD. And then you entered the workforce. And then you got married and had children. And now you had to teach them what you learned. But who was controlling all those decisions for you? And all of us are in different stages of those phases. If we try to fight the seasons of life, rather than accept them, we will miss the blessings God has for us and will fail to mature. You have 70 years to determine, I will serve Jesus Christ. Some people wait till the 69th year or right before they hit 70 to follow Christ. Some people accept him at a young age. 70 years, boom, it's gone. It's like that. What will it take in that duration of time for you to determine, I will be a Christian? Or will I follow the masses in the crowds and say God is unfair or how could God do such and such a thing? 
We need to embrace life and the wonder of being human. It may be significant that the list closes somewhat as it began with a set of opposites, war and peace, over which a person has little control. And I do believe that that might be the message that I'm wanting to get across to you and I, that we don't have control over anything. So something has to happen within us during this period called time. Hear me on this. In your lifetime, and I know what I say now you'll identify with. In your lifetime, you will be lonely. It may be a while before you get married. It may be a short while that you find yourself staying married. It may be a long time that you find yourself single. It may be a while before you have friends that want to be with you. And then as you get older and your friends begin to pass on and move on, it's just you because you're saying, I'm too old to go make new friends or to start over. In your lifetime, you will be lonely. You will be sick. Who knows what I'm talking about? All of us. In your lifetime, you will be unemployed. In your lifetime, you will be last. Two of us. In your lifetime, you will be forgotten. But you will not stay this way. And that statement right there needs to go for those who are going through marital discord, whose marriage has ended. You're lonely, but you're not going to stay that way because God is in control of everything that happens in your life. So I'll give you some insight. If you find yourself lonely and divorced, and you go and do exactly what you did to get married the first time and it was wrong, you're gonna find yourself lonely again. God wants to teach us, and some of us it takes a long time to learn. You are not in control of anything. I am, God says, I am. Christians are not stuck in these seasons of life because the God that they serve is in control of what happens to them. God will never, and I've told you this many times, if you're a child of God, God will not forsake you. If something happens, you can actually tell people, it'll turn out good. How do you know that? I don't know that, but I know the God that I serve, and it'll turn out good. Well, what's going to happen next? I don't know. Go see a fortune teller. Read your horoscope if you want. And that's what happens to us. Instead of plugging into God, we go and see a medium or a fortune teller. And we ask them to tell us about our future. Or we read our horoscope. And we try to figure out what's our next step. And all along, God has wanted you and I to get plugged into him. Instead of saying, why is God doing this to me? Ask, what is it that God is doing? What's he doing? Don't try and figure it out, but start asking yourself that. Why? Because when you ask what God is doing, you become interested in who he is and what he can do. And that is faith. And faith is defined 
as excitement about what God is going to do. And you know me, church, that really sounded excitement, exciting. Faith is excitement about what God is going to do. That's excitement. So you're still serving God after this happened. Yes, why? Because I know he's going to do something great. I know he's going to turn this around. I know he's not going to leave me like that. I know God cares about me, every single one of me. If the very hair on my head is numbered, and not even a sparrow falls from the sky that God is not aware of, he knows everything about you, what you're thinking, what you should have been thinking, what you're doing. God is in control. And what gets me excited is that you're in church to be reminded of this. You're not in control of anything, ladies. Well, my husband has to give me his entire check. You're still not in control. And talking about checks, let me tell you something. Do not get excited about what you have. Get excited about what is producing what you have. If you get excited about what you have in the bank, you're wasting your time because that can come and go. Get excited about what's provided for you to put something in the bank. That's what's more important. And then, then you would get excited about the God that gave you the skill to produce what you needed to put in the bank. Who's following me tonight? Okay? So instead of saying, why is God doing this to me? That's for the babies. The mature Christians say, what is it that God is doing? That is faith, and faith is defined as excitement about what God is going to do. Faith means trusting God, even, even when our timing disagrees with his. We rarely stop to search for the hand of God in the midst of trouble, but guess what? He's there too. And just because you make a mistake, he's not writing you off. You're not the first one to make a mistake. People tell me, pray for me. I go, why? Because the devil's after me. I go, out of all the billions of people in the world, Satan himself is after you. Really? Who do you think you are? As one so aptly put it, most people count it all joy when they escape trials. But James said to count it all joy in the midst of a trial. That's faith. What is my God going to do? And Christians, you need to get to a point where no matter what happens, you're okay. It may not, I may not be here on top of the mountain, but I'm still with God. I may not be doing this or doing that like I'm comparing myself to other people, but I'm still with God. What is God going to do next? Get excited, because when you get excited about him and his power, he gets excited about you. And he says to his angels, watch what I do for them. And then you're able to say, when you're going through something magnificent and good, don't stop there. Say, what's God going to do next? What's the next trial? And I'll read it again. You're going to be lonely. You're going to be sick. You're going to be broke. You're going to be lost. You're going to be forgotten. But you're not going to stay that way. God, just like he said, there's a time for this and a time for that. Don't get frustrated because those times happen. Get excited in what he's doing because he's got a purpose. 
so we ask this, what is the purpose of life? And we need to come to grips. Go ahead, you can put that back. Thank you, I'll take it. We need to come to grips with a significant truth. God's will is not our happiness, but his glory. The two may or may not be directly related. God is not interested to in how happy you are. Well, I should be happy because I live in America. <laughs> and I'm this, and I'm that, and I've got this, and I've got that. God is not interested in your happiness. And the sooner you accept that, the better off you're going to be. God is interested in his glory. So when he created you, he created you with a purpose to glorify himself in you. So those who don't know him see you when you are lost, sick, lonely, despairing, I mean despondent, and then you don't whine and you don't complain. You still have your joy. And they go, how can you do that? Because I'm not concerned about what's happening. I'm concerned about, is he being worshiped? Is he being glorified? Come on, church. Is he being acknowledged? So it is that we should revere the all-powerful God. And to revere God means to respect and to stand in awe of him because of who he is, not what he's done and not what he, we want him to do. Purpose in life starts with whom we know, not what we know. Let it sink in. Or how good we are. God is not impressed with how good we are. If I am good, doesn't the song say, let the glory go to Calvary? Because before Calvary, before I became a Christian, you wouldn't have wanted to speak to me. So you look how good I've been. You think that's good? Moving on. We have at least <laughs> a limited view of all that God is doing. I don't know everything that God's doing. I think if I did, I would be afraid. I would think that I'm God. He doesn't always need to tell us what he's going to do. Can somebody say amen? Yeah. He doesn't need to do that. He causes all things to work together for good, and our times are in his hand. How many of you knew what day you were going to be born? Some of you went, oh, no, no. <laughs> How many of you know when you're going to die? He doesn't tell us everything. So why do we get so angry when someone dies? Everyone is going to die, but why do we get upset with God? When How could God do that? What did he do? There's a time to be born and a time to die. When did we get control of making that decision? In times of hardship, we can draw comfort from knowing that God is in control and he has a plan that will one day be made clear. And you and I are going to go, oh my gosh, I had no idea that that was what he was doing. You didn't make the decision to be with someone, God did. He made that for you. It wasn't that you did it. I know you brought flowers and chocolate and all that other kind of stuff, but that didn't make it happen. You and I are all in God's plan. If you get in an accident, why get out and curse? God can turn that whole thing around. But he's teaching you another thing. What is God doing? That's what you need to write down. What is God doing? 
we have at best a limited view of all that God is doing. In Jeremiah 6, 16, the Bible says, yet the Lord pleads with you. Ask where the good road is, the godly path you used to walk in, in the days of long ago. Travel there and you will find rest for your souls. But you reply, no, that's not the road we want. Mm-hmm. You think because you're not going to worship God and you're not going to come to church because you're mad at God, you think that affects God? Where do you and I fit in in this plan of God and everything that he's doing in this entire world? There are certain things that we think are final, like the fact that my marriage ended. That's not final. Maybe God... Maybe God was saying, that's enough with that person. That's not the person I wanted for you. But in God's perspective, they're not final. Take death, for example. Death. Is that final? No. At best, it's transient. It's temporary. Death is only a vehicle to take us to where God has wanted us to be all along. And that is with him. Come on, give him a praise. So... Whether you get eaten by a shark, you drown in the ocean, you get burned up in a fire, you're in a war, and you get shot. Death is just a vehicle to take you to God. So it doesn't matter how you die, and the fact is, some of you aren't afraid of dying. What you're really afraid of is how you're going to look when you die. (laughs) How's my hair? It is messed up, bro. (laughs) We worry about the strangest things. What is happening on this earth, what is happening in your life and mine, it's not permanent. And don't expect it to be. Because when you do, you make problems for yourself. It's not permanent. Thank God for what you had if it's been taken from you. But don't become so sad that you no longer enjoy what God can do next. At best, try and, that's why I say, what's he doing? Try and understand that what the world thinks is bad is not what God says. God would not do something to hurt you. God would not do something to harm you. God does take no joy in seeing you sad or unable to sleep or depressed. That does not bring God joy. You are his daughter. You're his son. You're supposed to be happy about who he is and what he can do. And this is why I'm preaching this book, so you can change your perspective and get to a place that, you know what? I'm finally free in my life. Why? Because I'm not in control, and that's been your problem all along. You want to be in control. Am I telling you the truth, or am I lying to you? And you're not in control of anything, and neither am I. I know that's hard for some people. But you're not in control of anything. If you think you are, go home, fill your bathtub with water, and when you can walk on that water, call me up and I'll go over there. Even when you put your finger in the water and take it out, there's no spot where you put your finger. Who's understanding me? You think that what's happened in our culture is we think that so many things are bad. They're not bad. It's just that we don't understand them. Why are you calling it bad? 
Why, after what's happened to you, are you so forlorn and forsaken and confused? Because you think it's bad. Who said it was bad? Someone asked me when their husband died, is he looking down on me right now? And I said, no. What? (laughs) I said, if you were beholding the face of Jesus, would you be looking for him? He's not thinking about you. He's looking at Jesus right now. And you think, boy, is he thinking about me? No. It's not my happiness that's important. It's my love for God. And what do we require of our children? That they would grow up and mature. What does God require of his children? That you would mature. And you would learn to trust him no matter what happens. There are certain things that we think are final. But in God's perspective, they're not. Isn't it interesting that the very substance we're created from outlives us? God says, we are but dust. And to dust, we shall return. Some of us have a lot of dust. And some of us are good-looking dust, but dust is all we are. I was asked to go with my nephew and spread his mom's ashes where she wanted him spread in Hawaii. And they said, they call me Tio Mike. So Tio Mike, can you say some words? And it had been a long time since I said this, but I started to speak. And I says, I said, Lord God, we thank you that in your wise providence, you deemed it necessary to take out of this world the soul of our beloved sister. And I said, earth to earth, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, until the resurrection at the last day. And then even the sea shall give up its dead. And we shall not go before them who were dead in Christ. For we shall rise to meet them in the air. And so shall we be with the Lord. I'll say it again. Dust to dust. The very substance we're made out of, the earth, we go right back into the earth. How is it that what we're made out of outlives us. How long has the earth been here? How much longer will it be here? We are to look for beauty in the seasons of life. What are you looking for? What are you expecting to happen because you got married? or because you got a degree, or because you started a new job, or because you got your hair cut and your nails done, or because you have a nice ride. What are you really expecting to happen? Is God in control of that? We're to look for the beauty in the seasons of life. Sometimes, I said sometimes, the beauty is pleasure and enjoyment. Sometimes the beauty is development and growth. Sometimes the beauty is giving to others. And sometimes it's a test of faith. 
But everything on this earth is what? Everything on this earth is what? Let me change it. Everyone on this earth is temporal. No one here is going to live forever. No one can make things happen to make you live forever. No one on this earth can do something so that you'll be happy 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year in the Kronos. Because there are seasons of life where things happen. It is shifting and it's monotonous. But God's ways and purposes are for our good and that's where faith comes in. Faith or lack of it is all about our view of God's character. Forgive me for hitting the pulpit, but is God a good God? Is God a good God when the doctors say you've got cancer? Those of us who've never had cancer don't know how to answer that. But some of us have, and they know what it's like. Is God a good God when you lose your job? Is God a good God when, God forbid, somebody broke up with you? You're, you're leaving me? Are you insane? You'll never find another person like me. That's why I'm leaving. Is God a good God when you're broke? <laughs> you see, this is how God wants us to think. Faith or lack of it is all all about our view of God's character. We glorify and worship God's character by faith, which is the ultimate praise. We show our trust, especially when we don't understand. And I wouldn't dare put that pressure on you and expect you to understand everything. I don't understand everything. Things happen that challenge my faith in God. But just because I don't understand doesn't mean, that's it, I'm not gonna serve you anymore. Someone close to me may choose not to serve him, but I want to remain faithful no matter what those around me are doing. So when God disappoints us and we pull back, we are trying to get even with him, but although God rejoices in our worship, he doesn't need it. We only hurt ourselves when we refuse to worship him. So rather than fear life, we need to wrestle with trusting God and finding and embracing what is good in our current phase of life. Remember, it's our response to God's ability that forms responsibility. And there is a purpose in these temporary inconveniences, in these tests and these challenges. They are to bring about a maturity in the children of God. So don't be discouraged by them, but take another approach choosing rather to see the greatness that God has for you. When men have observed that all depends on God's achievements and not on ours, they notice that this very arrangement of things is to teach man and woman due reverence for God. God is in control of everything, its outcome and its timing. And the Bible says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, forever. Pastor is going to sing and play a song for us now. And if you've been challenged by events that have occurred, you can begin, Pastor. Events that have begun to occur in your life, and maybe you need some peace 
don't stay in your seat. Come up to the altar and tell God, I, I don't understand, but I want to praise you and I want to worship you and I want to trust you again. Come on. May I ask you to please stand, rise to your feet. In the Old Testament, it actually says, and I need you to concentrate on this, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. There isn't a weapon that Satan can devise or create to pull you down. The Bible says in the New Testament, I know that all things work together for good for those who love the Lord and who are the called according to his purpose. All things work together for good. So if it's bad, God turns it into good. If it's evil, God turns it into a blessing. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. But what God wants to happen is that your faith would increase in him. Put your faith in him. What's he going to do next? And that way a Christian can say, I can't wait till the next trial because I'm just excited to see what God's going to do to turn this situation around. If and since your names are written already in the Lamb's Book of Life, then you can say no weapon formed against me is going to prosper because whatever happens to me, I'm going to be with the Lord forever and forever in eternity. You, you're not going to lose your faith. You're not going to lose your salvation. Sin may have tripped you up. Get back up because though a righteous man falls seven times, seven times that righteous person will get back up. So I want you to leave here tonight saying this. Say it with me. I'm excited about what God is going to do next. I love you and God bless you. Good night, church.